Did they get electrocuted? Brian. Yes, he's electrocuted. Okay, is he? Is the power still on? Okay, I'm going to tell you what to do to help. From Boston 25 News, this is First on Scene, a podcast about the people who run toward danger, about those who become heroes in our darkest hour. And thanks for joining us here today. Today we are talking about the first responders who you normally don't see. When we have a breaking story or there's a moment of crisis, we see the firefighters, we see the police officers, we see the paramedics. We see those first responders on the scene, usually with their hands full. What we don't see are the ones who get the initial calls for help. And those are the ones who dictate how first responders truly respond. And joining me here today in our studio, Dawn Hairholzer. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me about Dawn. What do you do and where do you work? Okay. Um, So I work as a dispatcher for Brewster Ambulance Service. And what we have in our room, we have um, dispatchers who process the 911 calls, which are calls that come directly from somebody activating 911. So when someone calls 911, you're on the other line. Correct. How long have you been doing this? I have been a dispatcher for 21 years. Wow. So you've heard some things and seen some things. I have. Yes. So today we're here to talk with you about a recent call you had. Mm -hmm. Two men electrocuted in Plymouth, right? Correct. Was the call. Yes. And you were the dispatcher who handled that call. Yes. When did this happen? Um, This happened about two months ago. Okay. How many calls do you think you get in one day? You, For, if you're working a 24-hour shift, mm-hmm. how many calls might you handle? Uh, 911, we do, myself, at least 20 plus. Wow. Okay. Not all of them are electrocutions. Sure. But okay. we do. Yes. Well, we're going to play part of this. And, mm-hmm. and so you know, and I, um, we, this has been edited down for privacy concerns. Let's play the call as you heard it. Family home or an apartment? Yes. It's single, a single family? family home. Okay, tell me exactly sorry, please, what happened. Please, sorry. Tell me exactly what happened. A piece of staging hit some aluminum. A piece Please. of staging hit an electrical wire. Someone. Okay. Is did they get electrocuted? Brian. Brian. Yes, he's electrocuted. Okay. Is he? Is the power on. still on? Okay, I'm going to tell you what to do to help. Is the power still on? Let's stop it right there. Yes. Okay. Listen. So, you're the one who you hear, female voice there. At this moment, what were you thinking? I was thinking, wow, I haven't done an electrocution in a while. I hope I get this right. Because you only get one shot on 911. You don't get a playback. You don't get to pause. You don't get to rewind. You get one shot. And so my first reaction is scene safety. We have to go through and make sure that the power is off, that nobody is connected, because the caller is our lifeline. And so if we can't have them rush in, and, and touch a patient who's still actively connected to a live wire. Uh, so that was the first thing. Um, and then going on, as you'll hear, some other scene safety concerns come up as well. Do you, do you get nervous? I would say my nervousness as a dispatcher, and a lot of other dispatchers will, that I've talked to agree, the first thing and only thing that really makes us nervous is not finding out where the caller is. So the upfront piece, finding out where they are. With cell phones, it can be a little bit difficult. 
So the first thing that makes me nervous is I need to know where you are. And as soon as I have a correct address, where you are, a single family home, are you outside or inside? After that, the training just kicks in and we process it um, using all of the training that we have, the protocols that we have in place too. But as far as being nervous, the thing that really makes me nervous is when you have somebody who's upset, they're you know in crisis mm. and they don't know where they are and they can't tell you. And that's the first thing that makes me nervous. So as soon as I get that address in and confirmed, a lot of the rest is our training just kicks in. Let's let the rest of this call go from here. Are you able to disconnect the power? I, he's not getting electrocuted now. Okay, so he's not connected to he's the power. He's not breathing. He's not breathing. Okay, I'm going to tell you what to do, okay? I want you to yeah. make sure he's flat on his back, on the ground, flat nothing, back. nothing behind his head. Nothing behind his head. Nothing behind his head. Let me know when that's done. Plymouth, yeah. stay still on the line. The caller reported two people got electrocuted. Okay, thank you. Caller, is there two patients electrocuted? Yes. Okay, are they both breathing or is just one not breathing? Just one breathing. Just one not breathing. Okay, so the one that's not breathing, I want you to place the heel of your hand in the center of the chest, right between the, the nipples. Right in the center of the chest, right between yep. the nipples. Right between the nipples, okay? okay? We're going to yep. push, we're going to put your other hand on top of that. We're going to pump. Yep. We're going to put, pump the chest hard and fast at least twice He's per second. Breathing. He what? Twice per second. Yes, twice okay. per second. So pump the chest yep. hard and fast at least twice per second and two inches deep. Make sure the chest comes all the way up minutes. between please, pumps. Please, sorry, please, Everyone's please, on sorry. the way. They've been on the way the whole time we've been talking, okay? So let the chest come all the way up between pumps, and we're going to do this until help can take over, okay? Don't stop. I need you to count out loud so I can count with you to make sure we're doing it quick. One, and Pause two, right and three, and four. So you could hear in his voice at that moment, he's concerned help is not coming. Correct. Or yes. when is it going to be there? Yes. And you calmly have said earlier on, I'm going to walk you through what to do. Mm-hmm. And then you say, we have help coming. Mm-hmm. We've had it coming the entire time. Mm-hmm. I get the sense hearing that. That's how calm you are, and you're mm-hmm. a voice of almost reason Mm -hmm. for this man in crisis how important is that 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 can make the whole difference because if somebody starts to and we are trained to recognize different types of uh, crisis in their voice and what they're saying and that can make all the difference because he's my lifeline to that patient so if he starts to get nervous uh, the reality sometimes kicks in initially when they call it's usually a shock factor and then the reality of the situation kicks in and they start to get panicked I have to make sure that caller is is calm focused and listening to my direction answering my questions and stays with me so reassurance is is huge on every type of caller whether it's a child caller an elderly caller um, somebody who's just scared nervous even if they're not in a, a, a major situation this is one of their first times ever calling 911 so we really have to use our voice and our words to convey a sense of security. We, we have your address. We're on the way. I'm going to help you. I'm here with you. I can't imagine how hard that is. And I've heard my share of 911 calls. And you hear dispatchers. You can hear the um, tension, mm-hmm. the nerves, the, mm-hmm. you know, the adrenaline. You can hear that. Mm-hmm. I don't hear that in this from you. 
and, and I don't know if, if you feel it when you're doing this, but it, it's remarkably calm. Yes. And my job as a dispatcher is to get you through it. This is not my crisis. This is yours. And I'm just here to help guide you through it. And I really, I, I put a lot of effort into controlling that and to being calm because the worst thing you want to hear if you call 911 is the dispatcher get upset or get nervous and wow, what's going on? You don't, we don't want to hear that. So really using your voice, using your tone, using your words, staying focused. Sometimes it's constantly talking mm. and just making sure they don't think. And that talking continues mm-hmm. with the call. And this is where the heart of the call really gets going right here. And one and two, yep. One and two and three and four. Is someone else there doing it? Okay, one and two and three and four. And I need you to go at that rate, okay? One and two and three. Is he breathing now? Barely. Okay, keep going. Yep. Keep going. We're going to keep doing the compressions until help takes over. One and two and three and four. Is he, is he responding to you at all? He's breathing, but it's every four or five seconds. Yeah. No, keep doing the compressions. It's not effective breathing. Keep doing the compressions. Yep. Okay, good. Keep doing the compressions. The, the other patient, is the other patient awake and breathing? I am the other patient. You are. Okay. So just keep doing the compressions. One and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four. Are you by yourself or how many people are there? Is there anyone else there with you? Oh, one, one, yeah, one person other than me, that's okay. Okay, good. If you start to get tired, swap out very quickly, okay? One and two and three and four and one and two and three and four. One and two and three and four. One and two. Keep going the impressions until they take over, okay? Count out loud with me so I know you're doing it fast enough. One and two and three and four. Good job. One and two, three, four. Good pace. Two and three and four. One and two and three and four. Excellent. One and two and three and four. One and two and three and four. And don't stop until they actually take over, until EMS takes over. One and two and three and four. Keep going. One and so we're stopping it again. And Don, as you're walking him through this, how are you doing this? Are, are you reading from a manual? What's, what's going, what's happening behind the scenes that we don't see? Okay. So we do have a computer program of emergency medical dispatch protocols that do tell you exactly what to say. However, this situation was unique because in the beginning of the call, you hear Plymouth pipe in and say we have two they reported right. two patients so there's really no written protocol for that uh, so one in cardiac arrest and and one we don't know uh, so it was a little bit difficult to to not forget you know we have to prioritize that's why I asked is the is the second patient also unconscious and not breathing nope he's he's breathing okay let's start CPR get a few rounds in there and then go back to the second patient and then when I was told that the person doing CPR was the second patient, I did kind of let out a little, little relief at that right. because he's going to be, obviously he's not as bad if he's able to do CPR. So we could just focus our attention on the one patient. Uh, what you also don't hear is 
I mute the phone several times to tell the dispatcher to update them. So I mute the phone to say, hey, that's going to be two patients now electrocuted. Wait a minute. So we heard the pauses back mm-hmm. in that call. Is that when you were muting it? Yes, so to update them. You're walking this guy through mm-hmm. what to do, yep. but then you're pausing it to be able to talk with someone else and then come back to him, mm-hmm. give him directions, then pause it again. Correct. That's incredible. Yes. Yes, that's, that's exactly what happened. Yes. And it's, you have to be able to multitask and you have to be able to multitask well enough to not miss something. So while I'm muting the phone so that call taker doesn't hear me and get confused or, you know, ha- lose their train of thought, I mute the phone. I'm yelling over to the dispatcher, hey, that call on this address, you've got two patients. And I'm also listening at the same time for anything else that I might get. So the response you were getting from him and he was hearing, there, there was some, some breathing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, What did that mean to you? So we have a very specific outline for breathing. If the patient is making any funny noises, uh, they're snoring or they're breathing very erratically. Uh, he had said that they were breathing very slow, four to five seconds. Right. Uh, that's not usually indicative of a um, effective breathing. So we just continue with CPR. Uh, we continue with CPR until the person says, hey, th- get off me, this hurts. So at this moment, how optimistic were you? Because it had just happened and it was an electrocution, I'm pr- I was pretty optimistic that this was going to have a good outcome. Unfortunately, a lot of times by the time we're giving CPR instructions, it's usually not. The, unfortunately, the patients really don't survive many times. Um, but with, whereas this just happened and the, pa- the pathology was an electrocution, there's a pretty good chance that he, he might survive. So I was pretty optimistic with that. Let's go on with the call and hear how it progresses and... And go from there. Two and three and four. One and 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 two and three and four. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. One and two and three and four. One and two and three and four. One and two and three and four. Are you still doing them? I can't hear you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Perfect. Yes, ma'am. Okay, keep going. Keep going. One and two. That's okay. Keep keep doing the compressions. One and two and three and four. One and two and three and four. One and two. Yeah, I can hear you. Blink if you can hear me, bud. Blink if you can hear me. Is he coming around? Is it, are his eyes open? No, no it's still stress breathing. It's distress. Okay. Blink keep... if you can hear me, bud. Blink if you can hear me, bud. Okay, keep doing the... If he's not reacting, just keep doing the compressions. If his eyes are just open but he's not reacting, keep doing the compression so they can take over. One and two and three. They're there now? Okay. They're not. They're not? Let me know when when they've taken over. Just keep going. One and two and three and four. Two and three. Three and four. Yep. One and two and three and four. Perfect. One and two and three and four. Keep going with that. I understand. Okay, I'm gonna let you. Go. I'm gonna let you go. They're gonna take over. Good luck. Okay, you. okay, you're welcome. Bye. And that's the end of your role at that point. That's the end. And then I pick up another line when it rings, and it could be anything. I, I don't just answer 911 lines. I answer the other non-emergency lines. So I hang up. Phone rings. I pick it up, and it could be somebody 
asking questions about what insurances cover their family's transportation. So that, there's no transition time. That's wild. Um, I've got to tell you, the first time I heard that call, when you hear the siren, I got chills. And I, I think it's because listening to that, I'm in that moment with you and with the man on the phone. And you're thinking, gosh, someone needs to be there to help that guy. And when you hear the siren, you think, oh, this is incredible. Yes. He's getting the help that he truly needs. And this all played out in about five minutes, mm-hmm. maybe less than that. What did it mean to you when you hear that your paramedics and EMTs arrived there? So what I also do on a lot of calls is I watch the truck on the GPS. Mm. So I actually see which way they're going. So I can say, hey, that, you know, it looks like they took a right, they need to take a left. Um, so I actually watch the truck on the GPS. So I see when they're in the area. So I, I, I do get a little aha moment. Um, but the, the best relief is when you hear the sirens come up. However, we don't stop doing our job until they've actually taken over because there could be a delay getting to the patient. I can't see where this call is. So I don't know if it's at a big construction site and they're hearing the sirens from down the street or if it's, you know, they're right in front of an apartment and and there they are. So my job is to stay on until they get right there with them and confirm, are they taking over? Are they doing CPR? Is the crew right there? Yes, then my job is done. So in this case, did you find out how, what happened, what the outcome was? Uh, Yes, I I actually did Um, from reading from have, talking with the crew in, the, in their report. Um, so they did, uh, this, this gentleman was electrocuted. Um, he was holding on for about two minutes. He had to have uh, one of his friends kind of push him off holding the ladder, which is where the second patient came in. Um, they did uh, several rounds of CPR, and they did shock him, and they did another round of CPR. And by the time they went into the hospital, he was awake and talking. So it was... Yes, it was, it was just a great aha moment to see that. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, it is. What, what it is, is that? I mean, how do you feel? I mean, you're obviously very <laughs> humble about this. And, but from a layperson who hears this, you played a major role in saving this man's life. What does it feel like to you? I'm only as good as the caller, honestly. I'm only as good as the caller. And, you know, my, my training and... The, the room that we have is very supportive. The dispatchers are very supportive. And all of that is great, but I'm really only as good as the caller. And if you have a caller who stays with you, stays focused, listens to the directions, and performs what they're doing, that's really what makes my, my job. I can have the, the best training in the world, but if I get a caller who's just too panicked, it's, it's, really, it's really not going to help. So I look at it as... Truly, the caller is, is the one that does the job. I'm just there to assist them through it. And if I get a great caller that is able to do that, then that's a, that's a great outcome. How, um, you, you talked about on this call that you did find out the outcome. Mm-hmm. How often do you try to find out the outcome? Because I've, I've got to believe that's really hard because <laughs> you're in this person's time of need. Yes. And it's usually the darkest day of their life. Yes. And you're the one yeah. walking them through it. Mm-hmm. And then just to say, okay, have a good day, good luck. Mm-hmm. It can't just, I mean, you're human. It can't yes. just end there. So that's one of the hardest things about being a dispatcher. Aside from being having no transition and no downtime, really, you have to just get the next call. Um, 
the hardest thing I think is is being able to just accept that you may never know, and that happens quite a lot. Uh, there are times where we are able to find out, we're able to talk with the crew, uh, get some kind of closure, but again, most of the time we're not. Um, so it's the, the crew's reports are only so good. Sometimes we'll look at them and or request to look at them and say, you know, hey, what was the outcome? Did they transport that patient? But generally, that's that's about it. You just have to put it aside and and help the next patient. And, and same goes for at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If you're taking a full day of calls, mm-hmm. how do you leave that at work? <laughs> and, and I know many first responders. It is a struggle. Yes. But how is. do you leave these things at work? Are it you is. able to do that? Yes. Uh, I've, I've been doing this for a good amount of time. Um, I've worked in a, a couple of different states, worked with a bunch of different people, and I've asked them and talked with them. And so what works for me personally when I have a really bad day, and if you have a caller that's just not willing to cooperate, not able to cooperate, but you still did the best you could, that's what I say to myself. I get in the car and I close my eyes and I say, at the end of the day, I treated every single call new as a family member and I did the best I could with the information I had and the resources I had available. And callers are our resources. Sometimes you just can't help. You try and you try and they're just too far, too far panicked. And I just, I just can't think about any other what ifs you can't, you can't think about that. You just have to know that you did the best job that you could and everything else is out of your hands. Well, I, I can't applaud you enough, <laughs> the role you played in this call, and I know everyone listening to this will think the same thing. They'll wonder how you stayed so incredibly calm through all of this and were just the voice of reason in this man's time of need. So thank you for what you do, and thank you for joining us here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you for having me. You know, thank you to all the dispatchers. They don't get enough credit. No, we don't. They don't. <laughs> we know, don't. You're, you're not the ones on the front lines, but no. you are. We are. You, we are, are. you are the front line. We so are. thank you so much for what you do oh, every welcome. single day, and thank you to all the emergency dispatchers out there. You know, thank you for those who are listening. And the next time, if you need help, maybe it's someone like Dawn. Let's all hope it's someone <laughs> like Dawn who's on the other end. Thanks again for being here. I do appreciate oh, it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, that's this episode. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time for First on Scene. First on Scene is a production of Boston 25 News. It's hosted by me, Blair Miller. The show is produced and edited by Dalton Main. Music is provided by Killer Tracks. Special thanks this episode to Don Hareholzer and Brewster Ambulance. And thanks to dispatchers for picking up the phones, despite everything that might be on the other end. You can listen to the show on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can read more about these stories at boston25.com slash first on scene. Thanks for listening.